chapter 4 as we continue this, uh, our fall series on the hope of the Lord's return, the blessed hope. How many of you here last week for that message? Good. Well, this is a continuation of that. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. If you're there, say amen. If you're on the screen, say amen. If you're on the phone, we don't acknowledge you. That's just the old guy, you know, that there's a bunch of devil technology at us. Don't like it. For the Lord himself, the Lord himself, he's not sending no substitute. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I told you last week it was a factual hope that our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Lord Jesus Christ who will change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. In the same way he is able to make all things submit unto himself. I told you it's an opposed hope. By the spirit of this world, the ignorance and arrogance of this aged, and the misinformed and uninformed. They said, just like it's always been, the promise of the Lord's coming. Where is his promise? In me. In front of me. Ahead of me. Motivating me. Governing me. You want to know where it is? It's right here upon us. The promise of the Lord's return. And it is a blessed hope. It's blessed by who gives it. The Lord himself is coming for us. It's a blessed hope by who gets it. People like you and I, undeserved, that promise of the Lord's return for us. And by God's grace, and I thank him for the opportunity this morning, I want to preach you uh, the last two points in, in this uh, first part of the, the, the hope of the Lord's return. The hope of the Lord's return, the blessed hope. In this age, and this, even in the professing church, they, they despise the, the, the subject. They, churches will go years and never talk about it. It's, it's put on the back shelf or rejected. Uh, you know, the, this, this lie that permeates, I, I call it meme theology. You see it on Facebook. They get their theology through little snippets. And they say that the rapture uh, came about by uh, a scholar in the turn of the century named Darby. And that's where it come from. You need to read your Bible. Paul talked about it. Paul didn't know about no Darby. Paul said the Lord himself is coming for us and for his church. And so I want to preach to you this morning the next two installments on uh, the blessed return of the Lord. Father, I just humble myself before you today. And um, I just feel prompted, Lord, to say out loud what I, I, I would say to you sitting on the chair it's, it's been hard today. It's difficult. It's like there's a, a catch or something here. And Kelly alluded to it. Lord, would you, just, would you just free us this morning to free me, Lord, to preach with an authority and a clarity that reaches into the deepest part of men's souls like water finding the lowest point. Anoint my words, O oh Lord. Let my lips be like the pen of a ready writer and let it Reach us and, and change us and quicken us, Lord, not leave us the same. The entrance of your word gives light and life. Let it happen today, God, I pray, by the power of your spirit. And we'll give you praise for it, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning.
God tells us in his word in the last days there will be scoffers. Scoffers in and without the church that mock the idea of Jesus coming back. They destroy the idea of the imminent return of Jesus. And they tell you things like, well, Jesus can't come until the Antichrist is revealed. And Jesus can't come until the great tribulation begins. But we're not looking for the Antichrist. We're not looking for the wrath of God. We're not appointed under wrath. We're looking for the return of Jesus Christ for his church. And if he said, be ready for an hour that you think not the Son of Man cometh. I can't correct him and say, no, he can't come until these things take place. The confusion lies, and if you'll allow me to uh, just revert back for just a moment to last week. The confusion uh, begins when people have a superficial view of the Old Testament concept of the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is that seven-year period, Daniel's 70th week, where uh, the covenant, this geopolitical figure confirms a covenant with Israel and other nations. The seven-year period begins, and it's a time of tribulation. And at the halfway point, the Antichrist comes into the standing temple of Jerusalem, declaring himself to be God and uh, abolishing the idea that there's any other God but him. And the great tribulation begins at that point. And they confuse the idea of the day of the Lord and the rapture, the harpezo, the catching away. They'll be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's what that means, caught up. They confuse that by not seeing it in the Old Testament. But it was a mystery till the New Testament. That's why the day of the Lord, the time of wrath, did not include that. Because Christ revealed it first. He said, I'm going to go away from you. But if I go away, I'm going to come again. And I'm going to receive you unto myself because where I am, I want you to be. And then Paul gave us this. And Paul spoke of two things that show us how the rapture, the harpezo, the catching away, is different from the judgment. First of all, the judgment is a, a, a time of Jacob's sorrow, Israel's sorrow. And we've not been appointed under wrath. So there's the rapture and the revelation, the coming, the second coming of Jesus found in the day of the Lord. The second coming of Jesus found in the day of the Lord. There is Jesus coming for his church where the Bible is clear. He stops in the air and the dead in Christ rise to meet him where? Not the earth, the air. So the dead in Christ rise first. Then we which are alive and remain are caught up together with them. Who's them? The dead in Christ. And we join the Lord in the air. So we, Christ comes for his church. And at the end of the tribulation, toward the battle of Armageddon, he comes with his church to the earth. One, he stops in the sky, in the heavens, and the church is caught up into him. And the other, Christ comes and uh, puts his foot on the Mount of Olives. So now watch this. The first time he comes, there's just a shout. The voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The earth does not see Christ. The next time he comes with the church, the revelation, every eye sees him. There'll be kids out there video recording. Stream, they will. His coming. And when his foot touches the Mount of Olives, it's going to split in half. And there's going to be resplendent glory and horrible tribulation. And the battle of Armageddon, blood is going to flow in the valley of Megiddo, bridle high to a horse for 200 miles. That's what it means by treading the winepress of his wrath. Now, I said all that to tell you what I mentioned last week. If I were the devil, 
in this light. Be careful, Kelly. Don't say that. If I, if I were the devil, there's two things that I would focus on in your life. It wouldn't be so much, you know, the devil is involved in sin, but your flesh is your primary issue. I would rob from you the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I would convince you that Christ was not coming for you. The greatest need in the life of every believer, born-again believer, is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to walk in the fullness thereof. That's the greatest need. And the greatest hope is that at any moment Christ is coming for me. And can come for me. If, if I could talk you out of those two things. So since I'm not the devil. I'm the anti-devil trying to preach to you. I want you to know that those things are you. The, the promise of the Spirit. I had someone tell me not too long ago. I said, yeah, but didn't we receive the Spirit when we are saved? Absolutely. You received the earnest of the Spirit. The sealing of the Spirit. You were sealed unto the day of redemption. That Spirit, the Spirit of God inside of you. Like sealing an envelope. And like putting a ring in hot wax, it not only sealed you, keeping the world out, it sealed you, making a mark that you are God's. The Lord knows them that are His. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That measure of the Holy Spirit was for you. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is taking that same envelope and immersing it in the Spirit of God on the outside and it comes upon you. And that measure of the Spirit is for others. So that there will be power in your words, power in your hands, power in your prayers. Jesus said it. You'll receive power after, not when, after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And then you're going to be witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and the othermost parts of the earth. That's just the introduction. That was free. That didn't have time. This hope of the Lord's return, though, is a forgotten hope. I can count on two hands how many of Christians that I know outside of my immediate circle that I can talk to about the Lord's return and their heart catches fire. They go, oh, I can't wait, John. I can't wait. Very few people talk about it. Churches go years. How can, how can what is it, a third of the Bible be prophecy, prophetic in nature and a church go two or three years and not preach about prophecy, about the Lord's coming? I think it's tied to, it's very hard to preach on something you don't want. I'm ready to go home. I want to go home. My hope is in heaven. My citizenship is in heaven. My treasures are in heaven. And if you live long enough, you have more on that side than you have on this. Y'all are quiet this morning. Lord, send me a couple of Pentecostal people just to, just to mix it. Just to, I mean, I like everybody, but just, or, or just some free Diminished by the biblical illiteracy of those who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that I have it all together, but you can't contradict Jesus. I'm, I'm sorry. See, all I've ever known is the assemblies of God. That's all I've ever known. That's all I've ever been a part in. But if you think I'm defined by that, you are mistaken. I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he says, behold, I come quickly... And then my church says, well, no, he can't come yet. I don't think I like you. You can't correct the Lord. And you also can't say he's coming next Thursday at 2 p.m. No, 
No man knoweth the day nor the hour, but we can know the season. And by seeing all these things coming together in the, in the geopolitical world, in the financial world, in the spiritual world, I see the train tracks being laid for the tribulation period, then I know that the Lord's coming is near and nigh. But our illiteracy, the illiteracy of those in lukewarm and dead churches, regretfully, keep the church in the dark and they just want you to have your best life now and, you know, we're just going to uh, build our own little kingdom. And um, What a shallow faith. What an anemic kingdom if you, ain't even have a, you don't even have a king. Christ is coming. The Lord of glory is coming and he's going to gather us together. And we're going to give an account for the deeds done in our body. Our sins are covered, but we're going to receive reward. And then we come back with him to rule and reign with the Lord in the earth. It's a forgotten hope, diminished by the immaturity of carnal believers and teachers who cannot or will not rightly divide the word of truth. This is something just to do when you get home. Open your Bible and find that verse where it says to rightly divide the word of truth. Divide. It means separate. Take from. See what applies to Israel and Israel alone. See what applies to you. See what, what he means when he says that he's now broken down all the walls of partition in the spiritual realm. And there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. Well, in the body of Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. But in the world, there's a difference between Jew and Greek. And Jerusalem, where he said, I put my name there forever. The apple of his eye. Our problem is that we are in a generation where believers are biblically illiterate and those that teach them are biblically illiterate and no one says anything. It's like bad breath. You're the last one to know. No one will say nothing. That's good, Pastor John. Thank you. This forgotten hope is buried under unbelief. Well, it's just like it always used to be. The promise of His coming. Where is it? It's still promised. And the Lord is not slow concerning his promise like some of you think slow. He is waiting for all that could to come in that will come in. Buried under denominationalism, intellectualism, and the spirit of this age. It's replaced by a love for this world, a desire for this world, and the carnal pleasures of this world. I think that's why the, Lord, the church has lost the hope of the Lord's return because they're satisfied here. Their songs are played here. Their passions are stirred here. Their possessions are given here. Why talk about a world to come when my world is here? And just like Lot's wife, if the trump went off, they'd be torn between that which is behind them and that which is ahead of them. Church family, Christ Chapel Macon, set your eyes and affections on things above. Not in this world. Have a nice house, but don't let the house have you. Have a nice car. Or drive a hoopty, it don't matter. Don't let it have you. Oh, I've driven them. Anybody else? Anybody else laid hands on your car? Anybody else beside me raised your hood and put your hands on an engine? Lord, you got to help this thing here. Like, no, Lord says you should check with me before you bought it. I'd have helped you out. It's not an issue of what you have, it's what has you. I don't think Lot thought his wife would turn around. Man, they just hit me so hard. It wasn't in my notes when I shared that. When the trump goes off, I want to be all eyes forward. 
All eyes forward. Nothing I have. No one behind me. I'm ready to go, God. Ready. To, my ear is tuned. How can you be tuned to the world's song and listen for heaven's song? Some of us need to go back and find out what being a pilgrim means. A sojourner in this world. An alien. Where we don't fit in. They ought to be able to look at us and say their citizenship is in heaven. It's a forgotten hope. Substituted for a faith that begins in the world. Ends in the world. Instead of one born from above. Dust it off. Your grandmama believed. Some of your granddaddies believed. They talked about it all the time. I'm trying to sober us and let us realize people don't talk about heaven anymore. They don't talk about hell anymore. They don't talk about the life to come anymore. This is not it. This is a dress rehearsal. We're going somewhere. And they ought to be able to look at you and tell you're going somewhere. Y'all know my, my Waffle House illustration is one of my favorites. You're going to a wedding and you know that these people that you're going to, they're friends, but they're upper crust people. Upper escalon, up there high. I don't even know the word. But I know they're going to be eating stuff off toothpicks at the wedding. Now, Billy Bob had a wedding and there's barbecue <laughs> and, you know, serve your own sandwiches. But I know if I go here, you got a little kiwi, half a kiwi on a toothpick or a little piece of meat that you go. So you go by Waffle House and you got your, your tux on or your bridesmaid's dress that you're only going to wear this one time and it'll be on eBay used once if somebody buys this. And you go in and everybody at Waffle House, you know, uh, that table has a full set of teeth over there and this guy got on his overalls and everything. And you walk in with your tux and your wife got on a mauve dress with a lot of whoosh, just coming out everywhere, you know. And you walk in and it, they're all looking at you and you walk in. I don't know why we're so self-aware that we got to tell them, you go, I'm going to a wedding. I'm going to. Like they don't know. You don't think they think you just dressed up for Waffle House, do you? But my point is, do you have to tell anybody? They know you didn't, this was not your destination. They know you're going somewhere, and then a man has to explain to them. What happened is, big boy over here, Pastor John, knows he ain't going to get nothing to eat, and they snuck by here to get a, get a cheeseburger. And some scattered, splattered, covered, smothered, covered, dipped, all that. He's getting all of that before you go here. Shouldn't it be that way in your life here? I, I hope this stirs you. The Bible says to provoke one another into good works. And every now and then I, I just got to provoke you and make you a little irritated. Shouldn't they be able to look at your life and say, that one's planning on heaven. That one is on his way to Zion. To the beautiful city of Zion. He's on his way to God's house. He's prepared. He's ready. He doesn't look the same. And it's not about clothes alone. It's how you carry yourself. It's, you know... Some of y'all forgot, you, you know, how you pack to go on vacation. You get more done at work in two hours than you've got done in two months because vacation's coming and you're getting stuff ready to go on vacation. And when you pack, my mama keeps saying this to me over and over, packed up. Are you packed up? Dust this promise off. Rekindle it for your grandkids. Start getting rid of the things in this world that aren't going, that will not get, you don't have to get rid of them, but they mean nothing. 
And if you can't take it with you, it's not worth your time. Mm, I hit something then, didn't I? Imagine a conveyor belt right here and a huge fire over here on this end. And I said, quick, bring just whatever's in the house. Bring all your jewelry, your wallets, your possessions, your earrings, your credit cards. Put it all on this, this conveyor belt. And then somebody that does assessing real well and calculations, they go, but if I do that, it's heading for that fire. I'm like, you're quick. That's why your wife loves you. You're real smart. And that's what this world is. Everything in this world is going to melt with a fervent heat. And you're putting all your time and energies and efforts into things on a conveyor belt. Instead of setting your affection and your treasures, cast your treasures on ahead of you where rust nor moth, uh, thieves, nobody can get to it. And it'll be waiting for you there. It's a forgotten hope, but I pray not in this house. I pray that the promise of his return becomes clarion again, becomes preeminent again, becomes articulated again. And we start anticipating the Lord's return to where you see yourself getting ready in the morning. You're brushing your teeth and you put the brush down. You go, Lord, today, you can come today. God, I'm ready. Watch how it colors your attitude. Watch how it changes your day. Watch how air from heaven sweeps in your car and fills your lungs that Jesus Christ, look, I do this. I don't know if y'all do. I'll be driving and the sky will look a little off. I go, I do. I'll be driving. I go, is that you? Kelly, Kelly, she'll do the same thing. And then she'll call me to see if I'm still here because she knows if I'm here. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes either. But I, just, whew, I just knew if you was here, praise the Lord. Okay. And then I call to see if Mama Sheila's here. So we know if we're all here. So. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, number five. Number five, for the next few moments, this is what I want to share with you. A transformational hope. A transformational hope. Let me tell you why the devil opposes the promise of the Lord's return for the believer, the hope. Because the Bible tells us, if you're taking notes, 1 John 3... Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when Jesus appears, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. Listen. And every person that hath this hope, what hope? The hope of Christ coming and changing our vile body and transforming us. Everyone that has that hope, not the hope of salvation, being born again, that's already happened. The hope of the Lord's return and the resurrection. Everyone that has that hope purifieth himself. Even as Jesus is pure. He stokes the fire of his own altar. An altar is not where you just go and put offerings. You, you commit something to die or to be burned. The hope of heaven... How many of you in my generation grew up and they talked about the rapture all the time? And you didn't want to go to the theater. You didn't want to turn on music. You're like, Lord, if the... I remember sitting in the Westgate 6 and thinking, uh, Lord, I ain't going to tell you what I was watching. And I said, Lord, if you come right now, I know I ain't making it. So just please don't come right now. There was, there was not only the hope of heaven, but the awareness. Listen, 
I'm trying to make it lighthearted in some way because this is heavy stuff. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, but unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Well, he's coming for everybody, Brother John. Unto them that look for him shall he appear. And the hope of heaven put some guardrails up there. You say, I better not go there. The Lord may come. That phrase. How many grew up on that? It kept, you from, it kept you from stuff that your character wouldn't keep you from. Am I wrong or right? The hope of heaven. It transforms us. It puts in us a state of watchfulness. Luke 12. Listen to what Jesus said. Let your loins be girded about. Verse 35. And your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he'll return from the wedding. And when he cometh and knoweth, they open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, finds watching. And verily I say unto you, he will gird himself and make them to sit down to meet. And the Lord will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second or third watch and find them waiting, blessed are those servants. And this know, speaking of us. If the owner of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh in an hour when you think not. And the analogy of a thief is, when a thief comes to your house, he comes when you're not looking or ready, and he comes for the precious things. The jewelry, the money, the valuables. And when Christ comes to this earth, he's not coming for a building. I thank the Lord that he gave us a nice facility, but it don't matter. He ain't coming for this building. He's coming for the people that come to this building. And this transformational hope, you know you have the hope of the Lord when you're watching. You say, I, I can't do that because the Lord could come any moment. I, I, can't, I can't be entangled in this. Yes, we're supposed to live here and work here. But there's no stakes driven down in a state of preparedness. Let me tell you what watchfulness looks like. Those that are watching, this is to, let, to maybe examine yourselves to see if you're truly, not just, oh, I believe in the, the Lord's return. Well, the devils believe he's coming back, but they're not preparing or watching, okay? Those that are watching are in a constant state of readiness it says their loins were girded and their lights were burning in this passage I just read you. Those that are watching are unencumbered. They are able to open to him immediately. Verse 36 in your Bible there in Luke 12. Unencumbered. Those that are watching know that he, Christ, could come at any moment. Revelation twenty-two twelve. Behold, I come quickly. Those that are watching are watching for Christ himself. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm not just looking for heaven. I'm looking for Jesus. When I hear that voice, I want to see him. And those that are watching know that Christ is coming for them personally, not in mass. There will be in mass. But it'll be like you're the only one there. He's coming for me. Come here, John, my little curly, nappy-headed little boy. Come here. Come here. See? Y'all judge me, and you judge me rightly, as flawed and immature and sinful and uh, weak and um, 
uneducated and all those things. But there's something about me that he likes. And I'm his boy. I was born from above. And when he sees me, he said, that's my son. And my dignity is not found in what others think of me, but in what God thinks of me. And the Lord knoweth them that are his. You know, we say, oh, God's children are precious. All children aren't the same to you. You see how that man looked at his baby? He was baptizing that. Yeah, your kid's precious. But his, child, Andy, your babies, the Lord views, that, views us that way. And see, me knowing that knows that I don't want to embarrass him at his coming. I don't want to embarrass me at his coming. I want in that moment when the trump goes off for me to say, I've been waiting on this. Immediately, knee-jerk, readiness to go. Prepared for the return of the Lord. Those that are watching are also working. Listen to this other part of Revelation twenty-two, twelve. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. To give every man according as his work shall be. Is there anything you can do to earn or merit heaven or salvation? It's the gift of God. Eternal life is the gift of God. But there's nothing God will do for you to merit or reward. You will be rewarded on your work, your works for the Lord. And works, it's funny, they greatly resemble work. Y'all didn't get that. Works resemble work. And Jesus says, when I come, my reward is with me. It's right here. And you know, I'm going to stand before the Lord one day, and I'm going to be judged. Not for my sins, but for my works. And there will be much, if, if I'm like I think I am, that will be burned away. Mixed motive and impurities. And, but there will be other things that stand. And I'm banking on a shepherd's crown. That somebody like me, the least in the church, will get a shepherd's crown from the under-shepherd, from the great chief shepherd, given to the under-shepherd. said, John Wood, come forward. Do you shepherd these people? <laughs> what will I do if... What will you do? Imagine you beside me here. The, the crown of life. The overcomer's crown. The, the, the shepherd's crown for the pastors. And he puts that on my head. People said, oh, you sling it at his feet. No, wrong scripture, wrong place. These we wear because he would have it no other way. This brings glory to him, not me. But he lets them know in eternity who I am. That was a shepherd. That's an overcomer. That's one that kept them unspotted from the world. That, that's the one that loved him. That's the one that, that, that served those that couldn't help themselves. To be all forms. Understand this. That all, the crowns mentioned in scripture aren't all the rewards they're going to be. Why would the devil talk you out of the return of the Lord? So you'd waste your time doing frivolous and stupid stuff in the earth. And so you'll stand before the Lord with nothing to give him. I know what he gave me. But I want to give him something. I want to present him a life of works 
of ministry and efforts. Loving the church. The Bible speaks of coming unto the love of the brethren. Growing up so much that you love the church. Being that you're as close to God as I can get in this world. And what I do for you, I do for God. Some of y'all understand this, but when if I want to, I look at my buddies here that are daddies. I go give them something, that's fine. But if I bless his baby, men go. You, take, you, you respect a man's babies. That's the highest form of respect for him. So if that was put inside of us by God, the highest form of respect, one of them in heaven, is that we respect his children and love and serve them. Those that are watching are working. And those that are watching live each day with an eternal perspective and priority. This phrase, I want you to write this down, in light of eternity, dot, 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 dot. Apply that to any situation, any temptation, any opportunity, any possession, any relationship in light of eternity. What meaneth this? That's how you establish priorities. In light of eternity, what we do for God in the house of God, important. In the light of eternity, if I binge watch that last season of whatever on Hulu. Anything wrong with it? No, but as long as you understand that it's nothing. As long as you understand it's nothing. It's like we've been given this gift. And like a, you can tell maturity, the two-year-old will throw the gift aside and play in the wrapping paper and the bubble wrap. But as you get older, you realize that that means nothing. The present is inside. In this world, the world is the bubble wrap and the paper. The present is inside. That weight of glory inside of you. That hope of heaven and the idea of eternal reward. And I can tell who's mature in the Lord, not by who quotes Bible verses, but by who lives for the world to come. Watchfulness. This hope distinguishes and separates us from the world. Oh, I tell them all. I, the Bible says that blessed are you when men shall uh, make fun of you and despise you and oppose you for his name's sake. Not because you're weird. Don't, you know, there's no reward for being weird. But if they despise you for your beliefs, I tell everybody about the rapture. Talk about it all the time. You really believe that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because he says, if you're ashamed of me and or my Words, I will be ashamed of you when I come with great glory and the angels and the power of heaven. This hope separates us from the world. Because see, the world is living for the world. <laughs> the world is living, the world is living for the world, we're living for heaven. The world is living for the moment, we're living for tomorrow. The world is looking for personal things and we're looking for precious things, eternal things. And the world looks to satisfy the person, and we look to satisfy God. Totally different dynamics. It gives you an eternal perspective and priority. This hope stabilizes us, giving us great peace. And what do you mean by that? Does the hope of heaven keep you from sorrow? No. We are still not exempt from the things that other people go through. We still weep like others weep. We hurt and all of those things. 
But there is a stabilizing peace that comes to the believer that in it all and through it all, when they sit down in their chair and they're by themselves and the tears have flowed for a while and then you stop and then you say, and nothing eternal is lost. Nothing eternal is lost. Nothing. Everything that he's given me abides. Everything I've committed to him abides. And it stabilizes us. It doesn't mean we're not sorrowful. It means we're not moved. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to continue. I'm going to keep my vows. And this is not in my notes. I don't know who this is for. Keep your vows to God. Well, I made them in immaturity. Keep them anyway. To your own harm, keep your vows. Keep your vows to God. Fulfill that which you committed to Him. This hope makes the pain and sorrows of life more bearable. If our musician would come, please. I, I know it sounds like a, a, an opium, if you will, the opiate of the masses. This, the, the, the world looks on it and just kind of laughs at us, you know. Now, now they'll drink a, a case of Mad Dog 2020 and they're not stupid. But we'll start to drink in the elixir of hope. The blessed hope. And before long, in the same way the world self-medicates, we spiritually medicate. And we get to thinking about, won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear. What's the rest of it, Mama? Joyously singing with heart bells ringing. Won't it be wonderful there? It has a way of tranquilizing you, if you will. Starts thinking, singing about heaven and hope and, and uh, all the loved ones that have went before us. This hope creates joy in the life of the believer. I'm almost done. Stay with me. Listen to this. This is scripture. John 16. A woman, when she is to travail, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she's delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for a joy that her baby has been born into this world. And now, say it with me, now, you have sorrow, Jesus said, but I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice and no one will take that joy from you. We're in travail now. We're in travail now. But knowing that that's coming... The Bible says that Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Which means knowing that he would redeem us, he endured the horrors of the cross and Calvary. And we, knowing the beauty of the resurrection, will endure opposition and malignment and uh, misunderstanding and hatred and persecution. Knowing that in that day... The travail will end. The child of his coming will be born. And Jesus said, in that joy, no one will ever take from you. This hope continues to grow. This transformational hope continues to grow in size, strength, and preciousness in the life of the believer. There are widows in this church that I buried their husbands. And when I see them, we have this little thing we say. And before. They, some of them are, these, these widows, some of them are quick. And they'll get me before I get them. I'll say, hey. And I'll say, we're another week closer. And I said, yes, we are. You know what they're saying? That one I woke up beside for 45, 50 years, it's gone. I'm a week closer. 
to seeing not only my Lord, but them and grandma and papa and nanny and my mama and my daddy and my spouse, my wife, my baby, all those things. It creates joy and it grows. The closer you get to heaven, the, 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 the pictures ought to be more vivid to you. The reunions ought to be more exciting to you. The, the, the distance in the rearview mirror, this world is passing away and the lust thereof, it's going behind you. It ought to become, the closer we get, we ought to see where we're going more clearly than where we've been. I think that's why the windshield is this big and the rearview mirror is this big. And finally, this hope will never go unrealized and cannot be taken away. Brother Sego, could I ask you a favor? Put you on the spot. Do y'all do y'all play or do you can you do a cappella? Can you do a song for me? Will y'all do you know they love me. If they don't come next week, I ran them off. Wait, can y'all come up just a minute? Do you mind? Can you do one a cappella? Do you know that chorus? Won't it be wonderful there? Do you know that? Or anything about heaven. Y'all bless them as they come, would you? Do any of y'all play? I don't play. No? You'll sing one a cappella for us? Oh, my goodness. Come on up. Y'all help us with the mics. Which one we got? Kelly, did you turn this off? Well, okay. And I, I hope they forgive me for this, but let me tell you something about people that spent their life in ministry. You can put a quarter in them. They can go. Just put a quarter in them, do the lever. We mm-hmm. 
I know I put y'all on the spot, but listen, Lord, we love you. amen. Let me tell you this before Brother Sego dismisses us this morning. I challenge you to go on contemporary Christian music and find three songs about heaven. I challenge you. That's why I got to call somebody from yesteryear and say, will you sing about the home that's bright and fair? Because I feel like traveling on. No pain nor death can enter there. Because I feel like traveling on. I sing it to myself all the time. Can't get nobody on the radio to tell me about it. Thank you all for doing it. I know that puts you on the spot. but I want you, It's in the heart, man. Pastor Sego, pray over for us, will you? That mic right there. Father, today we thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy. Yes, Lord. We thank you for our, our pastor, God. And Lord, we know, God, as the days draw closer, more confusion is going to be taught. More confusion to divide your children, God, is going to be brought forth. And God, that's why, as our brother said, it's so important for us to have the Holy Ghost, the teacher in us, to lead us and guide us. Because all we know is what we've been taught, what we've read, and what has been revealed to us, God. And if you don't reveal it to us through your word, God, what we hear taught and what we hear Read that has been written in books could be wrong, God. Lord, I pray for my brother, God. I pray for each and every one of us, God, that we would draw closer to you as that day approaches, God. Let us be found worthy, God, to be called your children, God. God. Forgive us all this day of our wrong, God, but help us to do right in thy sight, God. Lord, go with each and every one of us and let us be found faithful on that great day. Mm. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going, after lunch, we're going to have round two. He's going to come back up and preach. Hey, you do that for me one Sunday? What's that? Come preach for me. Yeah. Would that be all right? I'm good. All right. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you today.